Hi, everybody. This is Tracy G. from the new band Pain Savior, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, welcome to exit two of our Strange Highways epic spectacular project. And, of course, on hand once again is Richie. Hey, Scott. Of course, last we featured Jeff Pilson, and that was, you know, pretty great talking to Jeff and all of that as we just kind of move along with our episodes. And, of course, now we've got a whole other episode we didn't plan on. Yeah, well, I said in the introduction that uh, we might get someone else to come on between between now and then, and... Uh, Luckily enough, we got hold of Vinnie Apicy. I think it was uh, the second or third date on he's done the Kill Devil Hill tour, and uh, he called in a couple of hours before they were due to go on stage, and that's that's another hour. Yeah, Guts yeah, of an hour yeah. talking to Vinnie. Vinnie was great. Too. Definitely, it was definitely funny because I mean, you chased him for months and was back and forth oh, yeah. and in the country, out of the country, and all that, and then we get a hold of him and he's kind of fitting us in before going on stage. Yeah, we were like. Well, do you want to, you know, he was like, can, can I call you back? I got to eat dinner. Yeah, mm-hmm. no problem. And, and then it was like, we didn't want to take his time. And, and then it was uh, like, okay, well, you know, why don't we, so you can, you know, chill out and everything for the show. And he was kind of like, no, no, no. I just want to keep talking. Yeah. You know, exactly. funny, yeah. Let's keep talking. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything at the <laughs> yeah. minute. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. So excellent. It, was kind of, it was just kind of, it was humorous that he, that after all that chasing around and stuff. And uh, he just was kind of like, yeah, let's keep. Let's keep shooting the crap about stuff. So yeah, was, uh, we must be doing something right. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> at least you are. So, so this week, of course, we're focusing in on uh, on Tracy G. Yeah. And uh, of course, Tracy played guitar on the album, and in um, as Tracy points out in you know the interview tonight too, that the fact that he was actually Dio's longest running yeah, guitar player. Yeah, nine years, I think. Eight yeah. or nine years. And uh, so you know, when Tracy's done, he's just done all kinds of stuff so uh definitely there's a lot of cool stuff out there to listen to with tracy and right now underneath us is a, a track from the tracy g group from his uh controlled chaos release just an instrumental and you know it kind of features a lot of classic tracy so definitely he's done a lot of stuff besides do but uh you know his big his big breakthrough was you know moving from doing the world war three stuff to, onto do and of course we talked to to Vinny a little bit about you know bringing Tracy in and stuff mm-hmm. and Tracy kind of had his own things that he was thinking about you know who met who rec- recommended him who might yeah. you know and all that so um so you've kind of kind of got the whole full story between Tracy and, and and Vinny so that was pretty cool I think I mean you basically you hooked up the Tracy deal yeah well Tracy was the first the first guy um I contacted and uh literally three or four minutes before we were due to talk to Tracy I had to leave because some dog decided to take a chunk out of my three-year-old son. And Scott had to do it. So there's two interviews with Tracy. So the first one is Scott did it, and the second one I I did it, because I had questions that I wanted to ask him. And I never, you know, told Scott what the questions were, because I was I was supposed to be here for the interview. So I got hold of Tracy uh, a little bit after that, and he was, you know, gracious enough to come back. Yeah. And um, I got a chance to speak to him. And... Because I, really, I want I wanted to speak to everybody, you know, that played that right. as part as part of this, 
and uh, yeah in the end I did get to speak to Tracy again so you know thanks to Tracy for that it was really nice to talk to him a really nice guy yeah. so we've, we've got a lot we've got a long interview with Tracy yeah yeah it's long. I mean, it's, I mean it's, we, we did two parts and like yeah. you said I mean he was like super accommodating mm-hmm. and and he was still, you know, like anything else you need, you know, let me know. And we are going to have Tracy back on the show soon just to talk about his own solo stuff that yeah, he's definitely. doing. And, you know, he's just got you know a brand new thing put together, a project. And he talks about a little bit in the interview called Pain Savior. And they just got their release out. And, um, and you know, it's it's a cool it's a cool release. And uh, it's called uh, Dead Weight on a Dying Planet just came out. Halloween, so he had ended up sending copies to Richie and I. Mm-hmm. In fact, he sent us a big ass envelope of, yeah. of like every <laughs> CD he's made, kind of the thing. Yeah. Um, so just you know, like I said, super, super, super guy. We're gonna have him back on. Mm-hmm. He'll hear some Tracy G music tonight, obviously, because really the focus tonight is uh, you know his contribution to Strange Highways and his story and all of that. So uh, I think you know it's gonna be just kind of move through the players. You, you heard Jeff Bilson's story last week. Mm-hmm. Get Tracy G story this week, and uh, we're just gonna keep moving right through. So I think you know maybe with that we should probably just uh, dive in. Just dive in with Tracy. Awesome. Holy diver, with a Part of our retrospective look back at Dio's Strange Highways, Richie was able to get a hold of guitarist Tracy G to talk to us about making that album. And I have Tracy on the phone tonight. How we doing, Tracy? Hey, man. How's it going, dude? Awesome. So before we dive into looking back at Strange Highways, why don't we let people know exactly what Tracy G's up to right now? Um, let's see. Got a few things I'm always trying to work on, and I kind of have a um, project that is... It's not, I guess you could call it like my main thing, and then I have other little things that I do just to survive and get music out there, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the main thing I'm doing right now is this metal project. I haven't done a metal project since uh, um, I think it was 2009 or 7 or 8. I can't even remember when it was. A few years ago. And I, and I did this album called Goaded, and it, Goated, and it was like a metal thing. So I haven't really put out anything off my own label metal-wise. I, I did... I did some blues and some and some uh, instrumental stuff since then, but but this thing now it's, it's called Pain Savior, and um, it's basically right now it's just um, me and then the singer's named Elvin Rodriguez. He lives uh, in New Jersey, and I live in California, so we're like uh, three thousand miles away. We wrote this album together, and it took almost a year now because the long uh, you know the going back and forth on the phone and the internet and sending things you know because we're not in the same room and we're not in the same we're not even in the same state yeah. you know so it's, it's taken a while and uh that's what i'm working for we got all the songs written we're just uh getting you know i'm playing bass on some of the songs uh, i got a few bass players playing songs playing some of the bass you know there's various musicians there's a, three or four drummers four or five i should say various and then 
I played all the guitar and all the tracks, and then Elvin singing all the all the songs. So um, it's coming up pretty heavy. We're putting clips up on Facebook and stuff just to let people hear a little bit of it. I, I'm I'm pretty proud of it, and uh, I hope to release it by Halloween. recommend that 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 is actually it's a really cool release that tracy did and i think you guys would like that so uh, i've got the a good friend of mine that plays one of the top drummers of the world i think it's ray luzera from corn he's, he's on he's on that album and uh he's also four he's on four songs of this brand new album pain savior too along with like a bunch of other drummers but ray is ray's in a league all of his own as far as i'm concerned you know he's just phenomenal and uh so it's always nice to do some tracks with him and about it, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it keeps you busy. It keeps you busy because you know, recording a recording a record, a recording an album, mixing it, mastering it, writing it, playing on it. I mean, it's a lot of sh- you know. I, I'm I'm I, I'm basically a guitar player first, 
and I'm trying to do all the other parts too because uh, that's just the way it goes, you know. And it, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but it's really really rewarding, you know, when it's done. And I don't know, you feel you feel proud of it, and then people start chiming in, and some people start digging it. You know, it's a real it feels real nice, you know. It feels really good. You know, it's a lot of work, but it's all I do. So I mean, you know, I just do I just do musical stuff. I you know, I don't work like a job. I don't I don't really like. I try to always. I try to always just do music because I kind of like I like music, obviously, and try to make a living doing that. It's difficult sometimes, but you know it's worth it because when you got the songs are done, and um, I don't mind doing covers, and you know we, I do different gigs with different groups. We do covers, and that's fun and everything. But I still do it my own way. It doesn't matter. But but it's, there's something about hearing some music you wrote yourself, and and Elvin writes all the lyrics and the vocals and having it put together. There's something nice about hearing that when it's done it feel it's a rewarding i guess to a an artist or a musician i think yeah definitely and i mean the fact that i mean you've been doing this pretty much all your life right playing yeah i've been going at it i mean you know you know since 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 dio since i left since i left dio was when i got a lot more like 99 i got a lot more into just my home studio and my own projects and trying to just put out you know what i what i what i feel like playing like whatever i feel like playing whether it's latin or flamenco guitar or metal or blues or instrumental whatever whatever i like so many different kinds of genres of music i just i just try to put package it put it together and, and have it available for whoever uh is uh, interested in a type of thing and just be honest be just be honest with it and do what's inside of me you know that's what i'm trying to do you know and then when i was in deal of course that was that was that and then a couple bands i did before that you know that's all awesome you know it's their bands but I have a couple band. I've had a couple bands in the last few years too, but um, and it's just difficult. It's difficult to get them off the ground, you know. Unfortunately, it takes a lots of money and you know all that bullshit. So uh, whatever. My main thing is creating the, you know, drawing the paintings or call them paintings, but they're really songs. But you know, like making the music, making. The music. I don't know too much about anything else to be honest with you, you know. But making the music is where my thing is, you know, and try to get it out there and let people hear. It. You know, I'm not a big manager or big on the business end of it even though i know it's important you know i don't wear a lot of hats i just kind of i do the do the music part if you know what i mean and it's pretty cool you talk about you know doing starting that in on 99 because 99 is kind of like you know between 97 and and 99 i think is when a lot of people hit that right price point of things that they could afford to have in their home to do all this you know because yeah. I, I started doing like a lot of mixing and mastering for bands out of yeah. the house at that point because it you know it just it got to be that the technology was decent enough to do it at home right. and it didn't cost you like you're left not to get stuff you said it right it's going crazy it's taken off and during that time it's helping us to have a home studio and if we learn it well enough it sounds pretty good you know you don't have to go to a billion dollar studio to get a to get a record anymore i mean you know it's that would be nice, but you know, if you really have good ears and you learn how to use your gear and your equipment and uh, you know the way the technology is today, you can you can get stuff to sound pretty presentable and people, people fans can get in and listen to it, and that's all that's all it's about anyway. You know, I mean, why do you have to spend three million dollars on a fucking record? I mean, are you kidding me? Like that's like, I mean, you know, really? Uh, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. Why do you, why do you have to spend two months on a bass drum sound because? Because, because why? Like, why is that? Like, because yeah, nice. I, I don't know, because I don't know what's going on, and they do, or what? Like, what is that? You know what I mean? It's... <laughs> It gets so bloated. I mean, right? It goes back to that classic. Was that John McVie said about making rumors? Yeah, it took us two weeks to find a comfy chair. You said it. And that, 
I mean, basically, that's that's it right there. I mean, uh, what? Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's expensive. That's expensive studios. Those guys are talking about. You're burning money. You just burn it through money, and I'm like, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not fucking rich. Like, you know, come on, you know, like that's crazy. That's it's almost like it's almost like sinful to me. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's like it's overly indulgent of just like you know, we got a snare, we got a snare, we got to get a sound. It take two years to hit it until. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't know. It's, it's absolutely insane. It's thrown away, right? You know, but for, especially for metal. For metal, for metal, it's just so fierce, and you know what? You want it heavy. I mean, you know, with the technology today, you should be able to get it pretty. If you have any kind of ears at all, you should be able to have it cracking pretty good, pretty quick, and not not take take somebody's money or your own money. You know, like make it pretty quick. You know, and um, I mean, it's taken me this long with Pain Savior because I mean, it's, it's the writing part of it. It's just like you know, we have to send him shit in the mail and. I'm not even that good on a computer, so he's like, email me, and I go, I don't even know how to turn the computer on sometimes, I'm like, stupid, so it's like, you know, I gotta do old school, I gotta send you a disc, and I, you know, it takes a couple of days to get there, and he works on the thing, and then he, he, he Facebooks it back to me, and I listen to it, you know, you know, it, it just, it's real time consuming, so that's what took all the time, and if I had a guy, if I had a man with guys that lived right here, it, fuck, you know, I could put out a... I could make an album in two weeks or something with the guys, you know. I, like the way Black Sabbath made their very first album, maybe back in the day. Supposedly it was just a few days and all that, right? Right. It is, I mean, you know, people laugh at that now or whatever. They, you know, a lot of people do. They say, well, you know, they, but, but give me a break. I mean, it's, the, it's in the substance. It's in the song. Maybe it's not the best production, but, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, that shit holds up today because of their, their musicianship and their the songs. And come on, you know. You don't, you don't have to spend a million, millions of dollars and millions of fucking hours to get this shit rocking. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. Uh, same, same thing. I, I really like to, you like to have some of that rawness and, and not have absolute perfection and everything to the grid and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 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 you said the whole, the whole thing where I'm a, well, I'm a perfectionist. It's got to be, well, you know, I don't go for all that, man. I mean, you know, it's got, obviously it's got to be, it's got to be good. It's got to be right. But, you know, it's real. Music is real. I, I, want, I want it to be alive and coming out of the speakers at you like it's animalistic and it's real. I don't want it all perfect and just like clinical and fucking boring. Like, I don't want that. It's, I don't want, I want to feel it, you know. I want to feel it. So, you got to leave a little bit of rough edges, you know. My guitar parts, I don't, shit, I do a rhythm track and I don't sit there for two weeks and try to copy myself exactly. Like, fuck you. Like, that's crazy. Like, no. I just play another rhythm track and try to get it, you know, close, obviously. But, you know, you, you just want... I want it. I like it when it moves a little bit when it's not exact. I, I dig that, you know? It sounds bigger. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's good stuff. So, I mean, I like it. You know, if we, we look back at uh, at Strange Highways, and, you know, I always feel kind of bad that... A lot of a lot of those people gave you a lot of shit originally. I think when you joined Dio, because you played a little bit differently, you brought something a little different to the game. And I don't know, did you feel like people didn't really give you a fair shake when you started in with Dio? To be perfectly honest, that's a really good, a really good question, really good question. But I mean, I'm trying to be perfectly honest. I mean, I was so excited, you know, to to get that gig, and I, I had known Jimmy Bain and Vinny already. I did I did an album with them, and that was amazing, and they're great, and that was cool. And then, and then I thought, when that was over, I thought, how am I gonna how am I gonna surpass that? I mean, fuck, you know, whatever. 
so I start again and I start working on stuff. But then I get a call, I get a call to do, you know, Ronnie's thing and, you know, Ronnie Dio. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, come on, man. So there I go. Okay, long story short, I get the gig. People are saying whatever people are saying to me, but to be honest with you, the whole time I'm there and I'm I'm in that I'm in that world and I'm writing that album and it was the first album I did with it and I I didn't I didn't I didn't hear what anybody said I, nor did I really really have time to care like good or bad I was so what's the word I was so surrounded with the greatest mm-hmm. you know in in the world that I live in and try to be a guitarist and and um you know make a living, never in my wildest dreams could I even believe or even dream I would be in Ronnie Dio's band one day, co-writing fucking music with this guy. Like, you know, it was just out of my realm. And then there you are, and I'm walking in there every day and playing riffs. Vinny's, you know, playing the kicks into a groove. We record it. Ronnie goes home. He comes over, he goes, look what I got for it. Play the riff again. And we play it, and he opens up his fucking mouth, and, and that sound comes out. And I, I'm almost, like, fainting every day. I didn't have time to go, you know. So even when, and then the album finally comes out, and people hear it, and what they think of it, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I was so involved in doing it, playing again. You know what I'm saying? I'm playing the gigs, and it was such a high. I was so high from actually doing it, and so grateful and so happy it was just like, I didn't even have time to hear anything negative, and if there was negativity or, or whatever, I, I was so proud of it, and I knew it. I know it's good. I know it's great now. I knew it was great then. I didn't even, I, you know, and then people would tell me, you know, people tell me later, like like you're saying, like now or later, uh, you know, no, no one knew you were in the band, or people didn't get it or you played different and they don't like it. And I go, Oh, whatever. Okay. Like I didn't even care. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's like, whatever. I made this piece of music. This, that album's 20 years old this year. That was cool too. The fact that, you know, with everybody that was, you know, talking all kinds of crap before they even heard the album. I love the fact that when the album was sequenced, that that first song, Jesus, Mary and the Holy ghost really has like this classic Tracy G sound almost like a great big like fuck you i'm the guitarist i'm here and i'm playing on this album i i absolutely love the balls of that because a lot of the other ones they're they don't have a strong i think anyways a strong a a tracy statement and i love the fact that that one is right up track one right in your face and i i I love that You see the teacher. Sit, 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 sit
man. I, I, I'm known for my noise. I'm known for my um, my sound effect. And he, he, he let me, like, what better way to start that that track? I could have started basically with the guitar riff, but instead of me just playing the guitar riff, if I'm on stage and I start a song like that, I'm going to make some noise probably before I make it because, like, to other people it's noise, but to me I'm setting a mood. I'm getting ready to punch you in the fucking face. Yeah. That's how I feel. So I, I'm not just going to go, I'm not, I'm not just going to play, da, 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 da. I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to do what I did. I'm going to bring it in, make make some noise, as people would say. I'm setting it up so people go, what the fuck is happening? Because that's how I feel when I play. So and then I just go into the riff and, you know, that's, I do that on anything I can because I love to make noise and just set it. I love to make the mood and set up the, set up the mood for myself. I don't want to play all clinical and I don't play like that, you yeah. know. I, I, I'm noisy, and I, I like to make fucking noise. I mean, I, can, I, I don't, I don't really say in my head noise. I know everybody else does. To me, it's, it's part of the music. When I when I do my solos and I don't play notes and I hit my sound effects, that's music to my ears. Everybody else says, "Oh, fuck you! That's not no good. I don't like that." Well, I don't. I'm not playing for them, though. I'm not playing for anybody. I'm just playing what I what I feel. And you go through life and you just do it and well, nobody likes what you do. Well, okay, but they can't erase what I did. They, right. they would like to be, kill me or wish it didn't happen or I hate strange highways, I hate anger machines, I hate Tracy sucks, but it's there. It'll be there when they're dead. That fucking album would outlive us all. Everything I did with him and everyone else and every artist in the world, that's what's great about art is, you know, when we're gone, it's still fucking here. So who's got the last fucking laugh? You know, if they complain, you're saying that Dio didn't, like, pick a good player? Like, Dio had bad but, but, taste? Like, that's essentially that, uh, what they're saying. You get it. You're totally getting it because you're questioning and what you're saying. You're, you're, you're hitting it right on the right on the head, you know, because I say that to a lot of people. I go, okay, so what you're saying is Ronnie, Ronnie picks great musicians, but then in 1993, he decided to pick a piece of shit guitar player and, and let me stay longer than anyone. Let me stay with him as a guitarist straight for six years. None of his guitar players stayed for six years. But I'm the shitty guy. I'm, I'm the so Ronnie lost his hearing for six years. Yeah, I, I do tell people that, that we talk about that, and they say, yeah, oh, Tracy, I wasn't, and, I'm, and I remind them, I'm like, 93 to 99, and they're like, it wasn't that long, and I'm like, go look it up, go figure it out, no way, and it's like, yeah, really, six years, guys. It kind of makes me smile and giggle when I hear, like, so-and-so doesn't like you, and he doesn't like the way you play, and Vivian Campbell said you suck, and you know, <laughs> everybody, people send me all kinds of shit, you know, and it makes me smile, though, I go, I go, man, that's fucking cool, you know, because I, because to me it's like, but if everybody liked you, I don't know, that'd be a little bit, you know, I don't know, that'd be too easy, uh, it'd be too unrealistic, it'd be too soft. I, I like to ruffle people's feathers and have them, you know, one time they wrote something on this guy and that guy and all of the deal guitar players and the controversial Tracy G. <laughs> what does that mean? What is what is that? What what, what like what does that mean? Because some people love me and some people hate me. Is that what that means or what? And by the way, you know what? Not everybody hates the way I play. I mean, I've been kind of, you know, I mean, a lot of people didn't get it, but there's a lot of people that I get, I get letters from that think I'm the greatest thing he ever had. So I guess they're assholes too, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
No, I, I, it's, it is funny. It's, it's a solid album. Things like whenever I hear Here's to You, that, that riff like sticks in my head for days afterwards. I mean, that tells me right there, that's a great friggin' riff because I just can't get it out of my head. Yeah, right. Maybe they have to do something that's that bigger than music. Maybe it has something to do with life in general. Whenever, whenever things are changed, whenever something has changed, a lot of, a lot of people, they don't really like different. They don't like different. They don't like change. They, they like their, they like their spaghetti a certain way. Don't, don't fucking change it though. Don't, don't put any more shit in it because it messes me up. Maybe they think like that of music and Ronnie has such a following and he's done so much with various people. And he, and, he, and let's face it, Let's face it, until Strange Highways, all his albums, they, they kind of resemble each other a lot, even though there's some that are better and some songs, I know. But, and then Strange Highways comes in and it just went, what? And I'm, uh, I, think it's, I think it's a lot different because of all the, all, the, all the directions that we were going together, you know, with Jeff Pilsen and me and Vinny and Ronnie just having fun, going all kinds of different places and Anger Machines, even more places. It was too much for people. They were like, what the fuck, man? I want to hear Holy Diver. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It, it freaking boggles my mind because I I love the album. I thought, wow, this is cool. This is a change. And and again, I'm I I really like Pilsen's playing all the time and what he does. And I'm like, this is freaking great. I don't know what the problem is with people. I mean, Vinny was there for a long time. He was there from the beginning. He did many albums with Ronnie and all that. Okay, great, all that great. Jeff had never done an album with Ronnie James Dio. Jeff Pilsen, he did a bunch of other great stuff with other people. Totally talented guy. The guy could do write and sing, play anything. He's great, right? He comes in, though, and he's lit up like a kid. I'm in there, and I never did an album with Ronnie, so I'm just like, we're like crazy going like, I mean, we got the greatest singer in the world at the time, we feel, we think, we know. Mm. That's how it felt, right? So as musicians, I'm pretty much sure if you, if you interviewed Jeff, I'm pretty sure Jeff would pretty much say the same thing. He'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, that was purely fun and... There was just no, there was no negativity in Strange Highways, like recording that, record, just writing that and recording that was just one big fucking orgasm. Supposed to hook up with Jeff uh, next weekend. He's coming through on tour, so we're supposed to oh, hang really? out with him for a while, so yeah. He'll tell you, tell him I said hi and watch. He'll, he'll, he'll tell, he'll, he'll, I mean, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but as far as the writing, I just remember I had a drive almost an hour every day to go there to go to a practice for where I live. It's about an hour away from there. And I couldn't wait to get in my truck every day and drive down there and be the first one there and the last one there because where else in the world do I, do I want to be? I mean, yeah. nowhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are you, are you kidding me? I mean, I couldn't even believe it. I mean, the first time they gave me a, a check for like $500, I couldn't even believe I was going to get paid for doing that. I mean, are you kidding me? You're going to pay me for doing the greatest thing in the world that I could do with the guys that are, you know what I mean? I, I, was, I was like amazed. Yeah. And yeah. I can remember it like it was yesterday because anything that happens to you in life that is a big impression, you, you pretty much remember it unless you're all fucked up and you can't remember yesterday, you know, and that's not the craze. So craze with me. So, I mean, I remember how the feeling was and driving, getting off the freeway and the whole thing, man. It was a huge giant thing. I mean, you know, to, to play with, Jimmy Bain and Vinny, or then here comes Jeff Pilsen and Vinny, whatever. I was just like, here I am, let's go, let's play. I have my same gear, my same gear I've had since like 85. I had the same fucked up shit, my same pedal board, and I went in there, and I was me. I just did what I do. And, and they, at, the, at that point, it was just like, 
yep, you do what you do, and we're all going to do what we did, and that's what came out. And, again, when we're gone, it's there. And the people that don't like it or don't like me or think I can't play lead guitar, I'm not good enough, <laughs> it's there. It's never going away. You can't you can't get rid of all the CDs. You can't, you're not going to be able to get rid of them all. It happens. It's a part of history. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> you know, it really is cool. I mean, even a fucking great record, dude. And, and playing with those guys, Ronnie, like, the fucking greatest voice you're ever going to hear. Are you kidding me? God, he got he got better as we went. You know, on the tour, Billy goes, watch. The tour starts tomorrow. A month from now, he'll be better. He doesn't get tired. He just gets fucking better. Yeah. And he did. And he does. And he did. And, you know, I mean, I, I got to witness that shit in like, Every night, it was just like a giant orgasm. I don't know what else word to use. I don't. I don't know what other words to use. I mean, hearing that voice against my guitar sound and the rhythm, the rhythms of the rhythm sections and everything. I mean, I can't even put in words, man. But amazing. The CDs prove it. I mean, it definitely worked. So, as far as the writing, how did you guys approach the the writing for this? Was it pretty much the same kind of approach for every song, or did you do things differently depending on the songs? The way we did the album and the way we did the um, writing that I feel was kind of like old school. What I mean by that is way back in the day when people first started their bands, people first started like little garage bands and stuff, they would all, all of them would be in one room and basically start jamming. Just start jamming. Start screwing around, screwing around, just playing around, playing riffs. The drummer would play beats, guitar player would play riffs. Everybody would jump in like, like kids, like kids in a, in a, in a, in a sandbox and just having fun playing really, really, really loud. Really, not low. Really loud. So you could feel it the way that kind of music should be played. Each song, just, it's just fucked up. Ronnie would just kick back in the corner of the room. He would just kick back in the corner of the room, read his newspaper or whatever. Once Jeff came in there, me and Jeff and uh, Vinny would just start jamming. And uh, when Ronnie heard something that caught his ear, he'd go, hey man, that's pretty good. Keep doing that. So we're over there goofing off trying to, you know, whatever the group, we're just playing around until he thought it was pretty cool, pieced it together, recorded it on a little, like a, a little, just a cheap little recorder, took it home. He would go take it home and by himself, he'd come up with the lyrics. He'd come back the next day and he'd, he'd go, like I said, okay, check this out. We we start the song Pain, uh, you know, we start playing it and he starts, he starts singing at me and Jeff would just, our mouth would hang open. We would just be like, let's stop for a minute because I want to slap you, Ronnie, because you're so good, you know. Yeah, I was like, are you kidding me, dude? And, you know, Ronnie, I mean, my God, you know, he, he'd, been, he'd been doing it for so long. So, you know, he, he's, he's just been doing this for so long. It wasn't as, I don't know how exciting it was to him, but it was sure exciting to us. <laughs> and, then, and then he would start singing, and I, it sounds so good. I'd literally, physically, physically, I have to stop. Hey, wait a minute, I started giggling. And he's like, what's wrong with you? I go, dude, you, you're an ass, man. What are you Okay, how do you sing like that? You're just standing there. You're not even trying. And I was complimenting him, you know, and, and he, he appreciated it. He'd laugh and say, come on, studio, you know. But that's just the way it was. And I'd look at Jeff, and Jeff's eyes would be, you know, because we totally, like, respected his voice and how he how he approaches that music, you know, and just that's not an easy thing to do, you know. And, you know, singers are hard to come by. We all know that, you know. And there we were writing an album with one of the best, you know, and, and then, and then Vinny's no, you know, slouch either. He just, are you kidding me? I mean, everything he plays is like perfect. It's like heavy and big. And it was just a dream come true, you know? So we would write, hopefully I'm answering the question. I get a little, I get a little off sometimes on the tangents, but we would write like that. Yeah. yeah. Like just 
jam and stuff. He, he, you know, piece it together, and we we recorded a little, and then it was really fresh. It was really nobody was, you know, he never once said at that point. He never once told me play like this guy and play like that guy. Give me more Richie Blackmore. Give me more. Give me. He never brought nobody up. He it was just play like you play, whatever. I never even played one Theo song until we 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 rehearsed to go on tour. And we obviously had to stick those old songs in the set. Then I had to learn them. I did the souls the way I wanted to do them. I approached them the way I wanted. He never said shit. He never told me, okay, uh, we're going to play Don't Talk to Strangers, but you got to copy Vivian. He never, ever went there, and I never, ever went there. That's yeah. the way it was. People were like, huh? How come you don't play the solos? Way to go, man. I said, you're high. You guys are high. You guys can't even hear yeah. And if you hey, if you wanted to hear the solo the way that that Vivian did it, well, you got an album with Vivian on it. You can go pop it in, and you can hear it that same exact way that your whole fucking life, if you want. Scott, I don't know about you or anyone else, but when I was growing up, and I go see Zeppelin, and I saw Sabbath, and I saw Deep Purple, and I saw all my favorite things. None of them did the solos the way they did. Yep. And I love, I, I idolized all those guys. Right, so I'm learning from them, and none of them played the solos. They played. To me, it felt it felt like it sounded like they were playing what the fuck they felt at the time, and so that's the way I do it. And fuck everybody else if they don't dig it, I don't give a shit. I just play what I feel because that's who I learned from. And if people want to hear no for no shit, I don't know what to tell them. They need to go somewhere else. I agree. I, I come from the same school, and when you know I was playing in bands and we do original stuff, and if it came time and I was doing the solo, they never knew what the frick I was going to do because. I never knew what I was going to do until it came to that point. I mean, rhythm, yeah, I'd stick the rhythm the same way because that held the slime together. But the solo, yeah. it was like at that point, it was whatever the frick came out of my skull for that uh, couple of bars. That's the time for you to express yourself, dude. So you get it. You totally can relate. You get it because you actually did it yourself. So you, you know where I come from. But many, many, many people, they don't play. They just listen and look and go, well, he doesn't look like any of them. And he... His guitar has scratches in it, and he makes noise, and he doesn't play this. He's not good enough to play uh, Heaven and Hell. He should have, you know, people say what they say, and they have a right to, and that's fucking fine. Some people get it, and some people don't. So that's just the way it goes, you know. And I wanted to take Ronnie in a heavier, more modern direction. I, I didn't join the band to go backwards. I joined the band to make an album that, was heavier than uh, anything he'd done, and I did that. I helped do that, I think, and uh, that's it. What's also cool, though, is that even though you brought him in a heavier direction, there's definitely still that good root of a lot of other stuff that's in there. Like, if you listen to, like, Evolution, there's, like, that Aerosmith groove that's in there. So there's kind of that little link yeah. to the past, but at the same time, you're striving forward. And I love that shit, because as a guitar player, I'm listening, I hear, like, little influences and stuff, and it speaks to me, because yeah. cause I have that same kind of root myself. I love that. So you're, you're relating to it, so you're, you're, you're getting it, and you're looking, you're looking in, deeper into it than just the surface. I guess, you know, and I was influenced by all those classic rock guys, you know, and I wasn't really influenced by speed metal. Uh, uh, speed metal's great and everything, but that's not what I listened to when I grew up. You know, I was listening to Led Zeppelin, like John Bonham playing drums. So I love Vinny, like a fucking giant groove, you know. But let's make it, let's make it heavier than Zeppelin now. Let's make it heavy, like, because I love Sabbath. So let's make it like Sabbath and then 
the grooves and mix them together, and that's where I'm coming from. Those, that's what you're hearing. Like, not to change the subject, but my brand new stuff, it has all that in it too. It's it's groove orientated metal, heavy rock. I used, you know, we used to call it hard rock, and then I call it heavy metal, but you know, whatever you want to call it. drums to make it heavy. You can't have light. light. You can't have crappy grooves and expect it to be, you know, feel heavy. The grooves have to be there. The riffs, and then the solos float over the top of that and all that, you know. But you gotta have a voice, and, uh, and that's what Dio right there had. I mean, I think, you know, timing is everything in life, you know. It came out in a real trippy time, you know, the 90s, and everybody was confused with, well, should we play solos on the record or should we not? We follow a trend, solos around, let's do rap. You know, everybody was all fucked up, like, where are we going? What's music? You know, it was a weird time, right? So we didn't create Strange Highways thinking or feeling in the room about any of that. Once we closed the door, we were shit to the candy store. We just played. We just played what the fuck felt good to us. We didn't know what the date was. We didn't know what year we were in. I mean, we did, but we didn't care. This sounds cool. We start overthinking, overthinking the fucking shit. You can't think. 
You can't think when you fucking play. You fucking just play. Think about it later, but to, to, to find the magic and to find the grip, you just play, right? You know, let's see, I think I wanted to go F sharp to D. I mean, come on. You don't, that's not how it, you do it. Yeah. You just play. My favorite way of songwriting is just get well, just jam. Jam, and then you capture something, and you're like, okay, let's perfect this, and like, let's maybe do, let's not do that twice. Maybe it'd be better if you, we, but the initial seed and the initial spark is there, is there, right? So that's that's where the magic comes from. When you start thinking too much, you suck. Absolutely, okay. you lose the groove. It's not going to be cool. So, like, how does a musician do it when he doesn't have a band to play with and he has to write all the songs and verse himself? He, I don't even have a band to play with. How do I do it? Yeah, I know. I've had a tough time since not having a band. You know, you, you put get me with a drummer, and I'm I'll come up with songs all day long. Now all of a sudden I'm by myself and I'm thinking. Right. Fuck, I got no one to jam with. Then I just end up, you know, sitting around and you probably the same kind of thing you do. You play with sounds until you come up with something that goes, Wow, I like that sound. What can I do with that sound? And then you then you come up with something. Right. For me, I'm not a big fan of a drum machine, but I gotta have some kind of fucking groove. Usually when I'm jamming, so by myself I just find a a cool, you know, a cool beat. I, I can program the drum machine a little bit, even though it's stiff and stupid, but it gives you a basic groove. You get, you might hear a groove in your head, some kind of jungle groove or something. So you, you you record it and you let it go, and you basically start jamming with yourself. You just jam with the drum machine until the rip, and then until that that magic natural rip is there. That's that's the best thing you could do, unless you have a, a full time drummer that's always going to jam with you. And we don't always have that, you know. So um, the ultimate is four guys in a room, everybody on the same page, just fucking jamming, and that's what Strange Highways was because. He had the whole. He had a whole band. He had a room. He had, you know, the situation where we could just set up loud PA. Everything was there. We could just go in there every day and do it full blown and no pressure. Boom, boom, boom. The A and R guy, Rob Cavallo, was his name at the time. He he went on to do the Green Day stuff. He's a big producer now. Rob Cavallo. He was the A and R guy for Ronnie at the time. He came down and said, "Holy crap, this is the greatest deal shot I ever heard." And he was the A&R guy for Warner Brothers, a reprise. And uh, I thought, that's kind of cool to hear from someone who's heard a lot of shit, you know, and he, he went on to be a really big, big-time producer, that guy. But Yeah, especially a, a label guy that's going to come down, and you figure that yeah. initially they'd come down and go, oh, what? Well, this doesn't sound like what Ronnie's been so, doing, so, and they try to push you. Fact, he came down um, in the writing, I think, and we were in a studio called Rumble, Rumble Studios in, in uh, Van Nuys or wherever it is, and he came. I remember, I remember him coming down to the studio and hearing some mixing, and I remember him pulling me aside and saying, "Dude, this is awesome, dude." I mean, he was digging it. He was really digging it at the time, you know, and that that made me feel good. I didn't really even know him. Ronnie and them knew him, but I, I kind of met him through him. Him, you know, and he he was an A&R guy. And, they'd, so they'd send him down to check out, you know, see how the band's doing, so to speak, or whatever they did. He was just all smiles and let's go to dinner and he was digging it. All of us were digging it and we weren't, you know, nobody was like, this is really different and this is really, it was part of me and part of Jeff and part of Vinny and part of Ronnie. That's what that is. It's not just me. It's not just Ronnie. It was, we all did that. We either four guys did that. We equally just worked hard and we just had fun and that's what came out of it. And I couldn't be more proud. I mean, I'm so grateful that 
I got I got able to do something with guys on that level. And it's cool too. And you, you think about it, the fact that yeah, nobody did say, "Oh, this is different." The fact that everybody just you know the chemistry was cool enough that everybody just was like yeah we're just we're making music this is good we don't give a shit about anything else and i think i think it wouldn't have worked if somebody started to have started to second guess it or try to plot well, it out if you, you're right you're perfectly right if you, if you see the difference between what happened with you got strange highways and here comes another another year later a couple years later here comes eight year machines if you listen to the two records you'll feel and hear a big difference because it all changed, like all everything we're talking about. Even we're not talking about anger issues, but I'm just saying it all changed. And when it changed, and you started overthinking and whacking things out, that's what you get. When you shut up and just jam, Strange Highways is what you get. Yeah, I would agree. There's definitely a difference in feel between those two albums. Strange now, Highways is into, cool. Yeah, I don't want to get into right now, like why that is, because I know that's not what this is even about. But I yeah. just threw that in there. That. There is, because a lot of people ask me, how come it's so different? Why was it, you know, I was like, yeah, it's a different day. It's a, it's a different year, it's a different producer, it's a different room, it's a different everything. People think it's, music is a spigot, but it's not. I mean, it's it's your environment, it's it's everything that, that's going uh, on around you. Another thing, too, we'll talk about Strange Highway, is a big thing about that that's different than every record that he ever did. He didn't produce that record. Talk about the deal, the deal collection. He produced every deal record, pretty much. Great, awesome. He did not produce Strange Highways, and you notice it sounds a lot different, doesn't it? Yeah, that was Mike Frazier, oh, right? That was Mike Frazier, another guy that they chose. I thought he, I thought he did awesome. I think he's awesome. He's done all kinds of big shit. Mm. You know what? He came in and he didn't do nothing. He told, he goes, "Well, okay, guys, he came to rehearsal, you know, and he listened to us. He goes, okay, let's record." He didn't change a fucking thing. He didn't change nothing. We had the songs written. He just captured my guitar sound big. He just captured, he just gave us big drums, big guitars, bass, and he put Ronnie's, you know, he didn't, he just, he just stayed out of it and made it, he just captured what we were doing in the room, which is perfect. He didn't fuck with that shit, because why would you want to change that? Are you crazy? Yeah. He knew that, though. He just did his job, did it clean, and she stayed out of the way of the fucking songs and out of the way of the fucking musicianship. And if you try to add something, it was adding something. He didn't take nothing away, I don't think, in my opinion. He didn't, he didn't fuck that up in any way, I don't think. That's cool that you say that, because, yeah, it definitely doesn't sound overproduced at all. It's, it's got just this really kind of a raw, vibey sound to it. Yeah, one other thing. I just having fun in the studio doing guitar solos, Evolution comes. I go, you know what? Evolution's pretty chaotic to me in the whole, that whole, op that whole open part where the solo would have been. I go, Ronnie, I just want to make, would you be opposed to me just making, just making sounds? I want to do a solo that is purely just sound that piss everybody off. They'll be like, oh man, there's no solo in that song. But, but there is, but it's not the kind of solo they're used to hearing. I just, to use my sounds and like different kind of, because the songs, it, it felt like it, that's work, what worked. I didn't hear a bunch of fucking notes. I didn't hear a bunch of notes. I just heard sound and feedback and Hendrix type shit and, you know, fucking, I'm on acid, I'm fucking all fucked up kind of shit. Because if the song's crazy, he goes, go for it, man. Go for it. I mean, he's never had a song like that. I mean, are you kidding me? That was the beauty of it. It, it was Ronnie saying, fuck you, too. Like, I'm going to fucking do something different. And uh, I don't feel like singing about dragons and castles no more. I'm going to sing about the fuck up, the fucked up world. And he did. He changed his whole, he just 
why can't you? Why can't he do something different for a change? And he did. And it was just awesome to be part of it. I will. I mean, I'll never back down on that record. I mean, anybody wants to talk to me about it, if they expect me to say like, oh, you know, something negative about it, I just, I, I just can't. Sorry. I would be disappointed if you weren't so passionate about defending it because it's it's definitely oh. one of these albums that it, it pisses me off when people complain about it and it's like you guys you don't get it you just you just you're you're fucking you you're stuck you, you know never, you just said it you said the whole thing right there I keep repeating that but basically they don't get it you know we use that term a lot these days oh you just don't get it that guy don't get it they, they just don't get it there's nothing else that you could say there's nothing I can say if they don't get it they don't get it you gotta move on you can't even put them in a room and explain it to them because they're like huh as time goes on people are getting it more and more though it's weird yeah, I think I think maybe with some of the newer music formats and things, they start to see some of that. Because you talk about, like, evolution. And, I mean, that's got this kind of almost an anti-melody to it. And for you to have to put a... You'd have to think about a solo to put in there. And, and the fact that you did more of that ambient noise in there, I mean, that was the perfect anti-melody to go with the rest of it. It just, it fits. I mean, it's it's the right thing to do. I mean, the um, you're right. The the rhythm behind me is, you can relate to this, the rhythm behind me is going completely chromatic. It's like a, a horror movie or something. It's going chromatic. It's not in any key. Hmm. Just a fucking sound. So, I'm going to put sounds around it. I'm going to try to find a key and put a fucking melody fuck that you know what what's that doesn't yeah. fit it you, you gotta play what what fits to the song you're playing in and, and some songs you totally have to have a melody and other songs it's just like a an attitude and a thing there's some kind of monster coming at you and you gotta like whoa you know you got to take it like it is. Like it's like a movie or something, you know, a picture or something. I don't know. It's been awesome to be able to to dig in with with you and talk about this because it's. Uh, I know it's one of Richie's favorite, you know, albums out there. That's why he picked it to look back on it. So it's it's cool to hear that you're still so fired up about it. Thank him for me. I mean, I mean, I was honored when you when you said, you know, you want to do this deal thing and talk about Strange Highways. I go, fuck yeah, finally. You know, one I do interviews and this and that. You know, but not so much are they focused just on strange highways and that time and what happened and how it became so i thank you god thank thank richie for me you know tell me if you want to call me and just hi or whatever no, no problem or whatever you know? sure it's been a blast freaking talking to you i was psyched when richie says yeah well, tracy's gonna come on i'm like no no fucking way really you know hell yeah anytime anytime whatever dude you got more questions you want to know maybe we didn't cover stuff about it because there's a ton of stuff to talk about it you're not bugging me dude just call me or let me know send me an email awesome man it's, oh, been, a, it's been a fucking well, blast well, thanks for the great uh you had really good questions that were like they weren't lame questions if you know what i mean they were like there were real questions I got right to the point about this stuff, too. Some, sometimes in the interviews, and, you know, people just ask the goofiest shit, you know? It's almost like they're just, it's just stupid. Sometimes I just want to hang up because they're just lame. But you're, you're, you asked, like, really informative stuff I thought about what really happened then, and hopefully I, I answered your questions. Sometimes I have a tendency, like, because I get excited about talking about it, so I, I start to go somewhere else, you know, with the answer. But it sounds like you're a musician yourself, so when you're talking to a musician, you, you start to you, you, you start to ask a question that's like comes out of nowhere because it comes natural to you you just you're understanding what the guy's saying so it makes you it makes you ask this other thing it's it's real uh i don't know the word for it but you know it, it just makes a lot of sense it seems to flow good like that you know i think some people interview people and they some people that interview people i don't 
think they're they don't know what they're talking about. Like they were just told to ask these questions. They don't know. They don't know about sound or feedback or they don't know what this shit means. You know, so <laughs> it doesn't go as good. But this one was like, I'm, I mean, I feel like I've known you forever. You know, because you're on the same page. You're on the same page as liking the music and wondering about that album. And you get Ronnie's talent and. You know, you get it. You know, there's that word again, but you, you definitely, I could tell you get it. So thanks nice. for that. Dude. Thanks, right, Tracy. Thanks, man. So that's a wrap for the first interview that I had with Tracy. Like uh, Richie had mentioned, he basically had to bolt out of here probably literally 30, 30 seconds before we were going to kick that off. And he was he was righteously bummed about the whole deal. But he's over it now. Coming up next is uh, Richie's chat with Tracy. I said, Maximum Tracy on this journey down exit two off of Strange Highways. Now, just to recap on everything we heard from the first half of the show here, the bed music that was underneath the intro, that's called uh, Babalushi. And that is off of, once again, the Tracy G Group and their 2011 release, Controlled Chaos. Really just a damn, damn good release and uh, lots of good stuff on there in the uh, song that we just played a second ago called Captured. And that one is also, that's the, t the kickoff track of that one. Just a really nice groove to that whole thing. And, and I'm really, I definitely was digging that one. And then also we played from the new Pain Savior release, we played the song Bedlam. And why Bedlam? Well, one, I love the track. And of course, the other thing is that my studio here is called Bedlam Studios. So, hey, I got to play a song called Bedlam, right? And we also slipped in a little bit of live Dio there from the tour, from the Strange Highways tour. And that was a song they used to kick the show off with, Jesus, Mary, and the Holy Ghost. Also, that was the first track off of Strange Highways as well. And you can hear a little bit of uh, Tracy's noise work in there and just kind of get the overall feel for some of that that live energy. Of course, as we talk Tracy G music, if you like any of that stuff we play, do yourself a favor, head up to TracyG.com and you can get all that stuff right from there. So with that one, we just kind of move on further down exit two of Strange Highways and uh, start up another conversation with guitarist Tracy G. <laughs> chance to ask any questions on the, on the last interview so um you know i, I actually <laughs> it's funny but I, had to, I wrote a couple of questions down this time i figured i can't i try not forget any of them was it jimmy or Vinny that recommended you to ronnie originally i don't know i don't know i would i would lean more towards Vinny. i would i would think it would be Vinny, but um i never really found that out for sure but i was a little closer to Vinny, i think but uh I, I don't want to take anything away from Jimmy. Maybe he said something. Maybe he did not. I you know I don't know what their conversation was like. But all I know is I did play, you know, in the World War Three lineup with both of them. So yeah. I knew they both they both knew me. So I can't say. I know when I joined the band, Vinny mentioned to me that he had. He said that he had let Ronnie hear um, 
when they were looking for a guitar player, Vinny said, I let him hear the World War Three album to check out my guitar playing. Vinny told me that. I mean, so that makes me think uh, maybe it was Vinny, you know? Yeah. Um, what songs did, uh, did they ask you to learn for the audition? None. None. That's a good question, too, because, you know, people, people that's, a, that's a straight up uh, legitimate question, right? Because you, you would figure, you know, you can audition with, uh, for Ronnie James Dio, they're going to tell you to learn uh, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. No. No, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so I just went in. I just went in and jammed with what was my ex rhythm section, and that's. I think what helped me got the gig is, again, I'd already played with Jimmy and and Vinny. We'd already done an album and a tour in another band. So when we jammed together, it sounded a little bit more like a. It sounded more than just a jam of people that weren't familiar with each other. It sounded like a fucking band already. Yeah, yeah. And then we weren't playing any. We just started like writing, writing songs. I mean, not really writing songs. You know, I I start playing some riff I made up, and they join in, and then, you know, Ronnie was like, uh, "Whatever, hey, uh, what's that?" And I'll be like, "I don't know. We don't know. You know, I don't know. We're just jamming, right?" And that's that's how it went. And I wasn't asked to play one deal song until after Strange Highway was made. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Never, never. And people trip on it. Well, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he test you if you could play the solos for you know Vivian solo and Craig solo? I go, no, he didn't want that. That's that's not why I got the gig. Obviously, that's not what I do. I can't copy those guys. I, I didn't play no no solos until I played on the album Strange Highways, and then I learned I, when I went to go on the tour, we had to learn the set list, and that's when I learned the old Sabbath and the old Dio, and I played them the way I wanted to play them, and that was that. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know that um, were there any other guitarists auditioned before you, or were you the, were you the only one? No. There's tons. There was. There's some. I mean, I think Vinnie Moore was the day after me. Okay. You know, um, they had talked on the phone, just on the phone. First, they were. This is all I know. They they, they had talked to people like Ingve. They had talked to people like um, Neil Sean. They had talked to these people on the phone because they wanted. First, they wanted to get like a really known, a known guy, like yeah. a known, like all of them are known, and they wanted to get like a known guy. But the, the the thing that Vinny, once I got the gig, Vinny told me that didn't work out. There's way too many egos involved, way too much shit involved, right? So that didn't work. That didn't work. And they never ended up playing with Michael Schenker or Neil Sean or, you know, Dio has his, um, Dio would have had his pick of almost any rock guitarist on the planet. Who, who would not want to play with Ronnie, right? So he whatever they looked all around for i guess you know different guys that they thought might be cool and i guess not it didn't nothing panned out so then they started going for kind of like a guy that was kind of an unknown or not as known as you know uh, um, a big known guy like that and that's when i got the call to go and audition with a lot of other local guys though oh yeah yeah that, that surprises me because ronnie always went for an untapped young talent like rowan and, and vivian and it's yes. you know, and you're saying now that they went for they went for strange highways for a, a known player, which is which is unusual because I thought they would have Ronnie would have kept the same formula. I think I, I'm guessing I'm just guessing that time around when it was the time to do this 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 lineup, it was going to be Vinny and Jimmy and and Ronnie and like I said, I think their plan their first plan was instead of getting like a young unknown guy. Their first plan was to get, you know, almost like a, I don't want to say like a super group, but, you know, a yeah. group that everybody's known. You know how people do that. Mm-hmm. Like, like 
I think that was his first plan this time around, which is different for him, but I think that's what it was. But then, you know, Vinny didn't tell me until I already had the gig because we would talk about stuff. He'd go, yeah, that, that didn't work because they couldn't even come to agreement over the phone with some of these guys with, you know, there's yeah. too much shit going on. So then he went back into just uh, auditioning more like uh, regular guys, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, I'm sure Jimmy and, and Vinny would have told you a lot of stories about Ronnie when you were in World War Three. But um, what surprised you about him after the first couple of meetings with him? What surprised me about Ronnie? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was just so overwhelmed with, you know, meeting him and mm -hmm. standing next to him and and p playing the guitar and hearing him starting to, like, we started to kind of write songs, like, as I was auditioning. Like I said, he'd, he'd get on the microphone and start, you know, again, I'm a big fan, like you guys all are, of his voice. And when I would start playing a riff and Vinny goes in there and Jimmy and then Ronnie opens up his mouth and here comes that voice. I had to almost stop, you know, cause I was so overwhelmed with, Oh my God, you know, there's, there's the voice, you know? Um, but I mean, what surprised me about him as a person, you know, as a person, you mean, or just as a, a meeting him, is that what you're asking me? Yeah. As, as a person, because surely Vinny and, and Jimmy would have told you what sort of guy he was. And you'd never met him. And then the first couple of times you'd, you'd met him, that like what surprised you about him personally that you didn't expect? Only, it didn't come until like a little later that I got to live at his house with him. When I got to live at his house with him, when we, when we were recording the album, um, I got to know him a little better, obviously, when I lived at his house, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But that practice, we would just, we would get there and we would, we would, you know, write the songs. I mean, I didn't know him. I didn't know him personally yet, you know, because it's just practice and practice then and see you later, see you tomorrow. You know, it was more like just a normal band thing, right? But once I stayed at his house, I think I was kind of surprised at the, um, how regular of a guy he really was, you know, when it was like Ronnie Deal at home and there's no lights and there's no cameras and there's no fans. And it's just, you know, Ronnie at home being a real guy. I was guess you know, I was surprised at just how regular of a guy that he would take his dog for a walk and play with his cat and, uh, you know, like normal shit, like we all do. I mean, I just, you know, like anybody, I was holding him up thinking like he's this different kind of guy. But, you know, when it's all said and done, he's, he was a real caring, um, humble kind of guy that would like, you know, I was really surprised the time when he... Um, invited my mother and father to his house to let me videotape him giving them a tour of his house because they were in awe that, you know, I was in his band and I was living in his house and his house was stunning. So one day he goes, you know, yeah, let, let your mom and dad come up here and uh, I'll show them around, you know, then I videotaped the thing too. I mean, so that kind of stuff will stick up the most to me about him, how, how just a reg just just a regular guy he was in those in those settings, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does perfect sense. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. when you when you wrote the stuff, um, how old were some of the riffs that you brought into the band? Um, some of them um were maybe two years old. Okay. Yeah, maybe maybe two years old. Some of them, um, a couple of them I had demoed with a World War Three singer already. Some of the riffs mm -hmm. I don't with him and then some of the riffs even go further back before I was in World War Three. I used to do them in like 87, 88, 89 say because I didn't join the band till like 93 or 92 and 93 I think mm -hmm. so 
Well, some of the riffs went back, you know, a few years that I've I've had, and I've I've thrown them at different singers. But as soon as, of course, as soon as I, you know, met up with Ronnie and we started jamming, I played some of those riffs for those guys, and more than half of them were on the album. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did Ronnie bring anything uh, into the sessions from the Dehumanizer sessions with no. Sabbath? No. Nothing. Okay. No, Ronnie. Ronnie. All Ronnie brought brought no musical. Um, like he didn't bring um, a tape. No, nobody brought a cassette tape um, with any ideas already pre-written. Everything was uh, pretty much born right there in the practice place. Um, we would jam. We would jam on whatever it's a drum beat Vinny has or a riff I had or something um, when Jeff got involved. You know, Jeff had. We would jam on it. Ronnie would say, hey, that's, that sounds pretty good. Do that again. Do that again. So he'd record it take it home, write lyrics, come back the next day and sing us what he had. And every single thing sounded amazing, obviously. And we're just like, oh my God, next? Yeah. So n- nothing, everything was written as an old school band together right there in the room. I didn't bring any riffs that I, like I had on tape. Or the, I had a lot of these, I had a lot of my riffs already recorded, but I didn't play them. I, 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 fiz- I didn't play them on a tape for them. I actually played them in person for them and let Vinny and Vinny and um, Jimmy or Vinny and Jeff join in and let it go where it went. So it was kind of organic and old school, like, you know, in the older days when people would just get in a room and jam and create this thing. And Ronnie would wait until there was something that he heard that stuck out and he'd go, Hey, what's that right there? You know, Ronnie kind of was the the truck driver, you know, and he would drive the, he would steer the wheel which way he wanted to go because he knew he was going to be singing on it. So he would steer the music. But he never came in with, you know, any old ideas from anybody, you know, on any, you know, not on that album for sure. No, it was just written together like that. Yeah. Um, did you ever feel obligated in the beginning to try and write songs in the, the old style deal? No, never. Never. It was, it, it was counter that. If anything, I mean... The, the only, I think the reason I got the gig because I wasn't, one of the reasons I got the gig because I was not, I was not Holy Diver. I was not in the eighties kind of, I wasn't doing, I wasn't doing that kind of stuff that he had already done. He was ready for a change. He was ready to experiment. He was ready to write about the world, politicians and all that stuff. Not so much the rainbows and the castles. His lyrics changed. He was ready to experiment and try something new. I played more industrial. He called it a more sound effects and just heavy and just uh, I played a little different than all those guys and he welcomed it and my favorite album by him is probably Dehumanizer and I love Sabbath and Tony Iommi so the heavy the heavy thing came from that you know over and I mean I, I would just do it my style he never said he wanted to go back to Holy Diver nothing like that until Angry Machines came and that's when he wanted to go back that's when he wanted to go back and that's when things got a little weird because that wasn't me you know to go back I was trying to go forward you know, different. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go back, and Angry Machines, he wanted to go back, but Strange Highways, no, it was just like, you know, play the way you play, solo the way you solo, do what you do, you got hired, you know, he hired me to do what I did, and that's what I did, and yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is there any particular reason why he didn't produce it and he got Mike Frazier to do it? That's another, um, I think it's another reason, another thing, because you know as well as I do, he's produced almost every D.O. record himself, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the only ones he did not produce is Strange Highways, and that's another, that goes in with like hiring me as a guitarist, getting a new direction, a heavier sound, stepping back and letting somebody else produce it and let Ronnie just had to focus on the vocals and trust that somebody else would capture the sound. So he took he took a whole new approach with that whole thing. Yeah. And um, was he in the studio the whole time during the recording of the album? Yeah. He was. So he just took a back seat. He just took a back seat and let Mike, he, Mike do his business. He, he, he is... Um, you know, I mean, to go a little further, like when we were writing the album, when we were rehearsing, the first guy there and the last one to leave, other than me, um, you know, he, he he was on top of every single riff and snare and hi-hat and thing. And um, another thing I learned a lot about him is he, he really cared. He cared about his music. He wasn't just a fucking rock star that was like, hey, I'm cool. You know, I'm I'm Joe Cool. Look at me. I'm he cared about the fucking music, like I think he should. He cared about the sound. He cared about the parts. It was just such an honor and a pleasure to play with someone that sang like that, that finally cared. He, mm-hmm. he cared about it. And when we went into the Strange Highways, he was there every fucking day for every drum part, bass part, guitar part, every fucking thing. Yeah. And I was, I was there every fucking day, too. Not that it mattered, but I was just so into it. When my parts were done, I wanted to see him sing. I wanted to see how he does it. I was there every fucking day, just like him. I mean, you know, I know that's not the question you're asking, but it just reminds me that, you know, how into it he was, you know, to answer your question. Yeah, he was, he was, he was on top of everything. Yeah. So what are your favorite tracks on the album, Tracy? Uh, a One Foot in the Grave. I really like that track. I love them all. First, love them all, but you know, you can have your favorites. I like um, Evolution, Pain, um, Jesus, Mary. Uh, I guess I'm naming pretty much all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, like them I, I like them all, dude. They're like, they're like, you know, you've heard people say that, but they're like my kids. I mean, they're they're so emotional when I hear them. Still, I'm like, oh wow, you know, uh, when we're all dead, those fuckers will be there, dude. I mean, yeah. you know, it, I mean, come on. It's pretty heavy. Dude. Yeah, the song I love is uh, Give Her the Gun. Give Her the Gun. You know, I got to use um, Ronnie's, I didn't have a 12-string, a good acoustic 12-string, and he did, so he let me use that for the intro. It's real pretty, I remember. And uh, I mean, it, what can you say, man? I mean, you know, you put the song on, you, you hear it, it's there, man. It's just awesome shit, yeah. Yeah, so when, when the album came out, do you think the record company did a good job promoting it? You know, I don't know, man. I'm really not in... I don't know about that department. I don't really don't know about the business too much, really. And I didn't, I was just worried about like doing my own part, playing my guitar parts, right. Yeah. Taking care of what I, you know, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. 
I don't dabble much in that part of it. I didn't, and and I don't know. Like, I guess like obviously it could have been better. I guess, but I was just so in awe and making music with these guys. You know, I, I, that was enough for me. I didn't give a shit. I don't know. Yeah. So when it came to the tour, did Ronnie pick all the material for the set, or did he give you a say in it at all? Um, no, they pretty much picked it between Ronnie and um and Vinny and me and Jeff. You know, we would we were probably the least that would say, but uh, Jeff, I mean, I could probably speak for Jeff. I don't, I think he was just happy to be there. He was honored to be there. So was I, we didn't, dude, I didn't care what we played. You know, I was like, whatever, man, just, I just want to play with you. You know, I don't, I didn't care. I, I, I really didn't care what he picked. I knew, I trusted that they knew what to pick. I mean, you know, I, I didn't even go, I didn't, I didn't care. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I know. Were there any tracks, any of the older tracks that you couldn't wait to play that they had to be in the set, you felt? Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of the Sabbath stuff, you know, like uh, Neon Nights, um, Neon Nights, Mob Rules. These, these songs, I grew up with these songs when I was a little kid, man. Like, all those songs and the Sabbath stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, Heaven and Hell. I'm probably more into the Sabbath with Ronnie than actually the, the Dio the, you know, the deal stuff. Uh, uh, I do have favorites like Last in Line and, uh, um, um, you know, Rainbow in the Dark and Holy Diver. Um, they're classic songs. I mean, you know, so I, I enjoyed going at any of them, man. I mean, you know, they're just, some of those songs are, grew up on that shit, you know. So yeah. I loved it. And were you surprised when, um, when the set had five or six songs from Strange Highways, because normally with a new album, you only play like two or three tracks. I was honored. I was happy. I was like, oh my God. Like, I mean, it felt like, it felt like, it felt like five, six, seven songs. Sometimes when we went to Europe, we were playing like a, a big chunk. I mean, he really believed in, he believed in it. It was new. It was different. It was heavy. And uh, even though people didn't know about it yet, you know, too bad. Uh, um, I guess I was a little surprised, but I was very happy because, be honest with you, I, I played um, Holy Diver and uh, Last in Line, the very best that I know how and the very best that I felt it, but nothing compared to when I would play Evolution or Pain. I mean, those songs I wrote, I helped write them, so they came out of my soul, so I could I could put I could put way more into my own songs than I could do in a cover because, well, you know, I, I didn't write it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is there any particular shows on the tour? That stood out for you? The very first one was amazing because it was the very first one. It was in Athens, Greece. And just, you know, there I am in Athens, Greece. I'd never been out of the United States in my life. So that in itself, I was like, oh, my God, you know. And uh, we played someplace that we played three nights in a row at this place. It only held about, I think it held about 2,000 people. So they had a book at like three nights in a row. And it was sold out every single night. And the kids were chanting and doing all that European stuff that they do. And... I I was like, I mean, I was just like, you know, I remember like it was yesterday. I was like floored. I just couldn't believe that I was doing what I was doing with who I was doing it with, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The first gig was stands out, obviously. And um, there's so many gigs, man. But I remember the one and later on, it was it was years later, though. I don't even think it was Strange Highway Tour. Uh, we played South America in like a soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, you know, pretty pretty amazing just because it was a fucking soccer stadium you know i was like oh my god you know and uh we play like with scorpions and jason bonham and all the bruce dickinson and these guys you know Excellent. So that's pretty cool that came later but i mean strange highways was all europe very very cold very cold i just remember it was very cold over there <laughs> <laughs> we were in the winter man i was like oh my god but um 
I don't know, uh, too many shows. Some of the some of the shows were like in Germany, obviously, and some of them were like in. Um, I want to say big. They look like big airplane hangars, but they told me they used to build like they used to build tanks and stuff like that in the when the war when we had the war and stuff. They used to build tanks in these big buildings, so they were very very cold, giant, big giant buildings. I remember they couldn't even warm these places up inside because they were too big. You know, the ceilings were really really high and echoey, and um, we did a lot of gigs with uh, Motorhead later on and. I think Freak of Nature was with us at first, though. Yeah, they were the first opening guys with us. It was, or a couple bands like that, I remember. Yeah, I remember when we spoke to Scott Warren, he said that uh, you gave him the nickname Boots because everywhere you'd go, he'd get off the bus and go around and have a look at the cities. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, Scott was always kind of a traveling guy. He, 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 you know, unlike myself, I would get to a place and just go in my room and go to sleep. And then a guy like him, Scott was out and about and, he he must have the, I would say Scott has to have the most amazing um, footage of video and pictures probably than anybody because, you know, he stayed in the band years after me and even when I was in the band, all he did was sightsee. He saw everything, that guy. He, he saw and videotaped like you, I mean, what a collection he must have, yeah. Yeah, so, so the U.S. tour, um, a lot of the venues you played in, you know, I, I looked online and some of them were, the attendances weren't great for some of them. Do you remember being disappointed going out to play in front of Half-Filled shows? You know, Vinny might have been, and Ronnie might have been, I, I don't know, but if you're asking me, yeah, just, are you kidding me, dude? You just wanted to play? I, I just wanted to play with, and hear that voice and play with that drummer, yeah. and play play with that bass player. I mean, for me to play with a bass player and a drummer and a singer on that level, and do the music the way I hear it in my head. I didn't give a fuck if there's two people in the room. I didn't care. It yeah. didn't even matter. I didn't even matter. So a smaller crowd, no, it didn't bother me because I don't. I didn't come from huge, huge, you know, playing huge places. I'm still trying to work my way up. You know what I mean? I do. I know what you mean. Yeah, I just loved the fact of doing it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to ask you, Tracy, about um, Dio Disciples. Uh, Vinny yeah. has recently played with him, and I think I read that Rowan Robertson is going to be playing with him soon. Was that was that something? Would that interest you to actually get up and play with play some Dio songs with those guys? With those guys, of of, of course. I mean, it, those guys are some of those guys are were in the band when I when I was in the band. I mean, Simon and Scott was. Yeah. So, you know, oh yeah, that would be that would be an honor, you know. But um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, if you're not asked. To do stuff like that, I'm not gonna go knocking on the door and say, "Hey, do you remember me?" Like, you know, I don't need to do that. You yeah. know, I'm not. I'm not. It's all good, man. I mean, it's all. It's all for Ronnie and giving tribute to him. I mean, I got my own little band. Got my own little band going, and I, I'll I'll do a deal song here and there, and and dedicate it to Ronnie you know, within my own little trip that I do. You know, so it's all good, man. Okay. Well, that's all the questions I have, Tracy. <laughs> yeah, we we really appreciate you coming back on again, and because Richie was definitely he was bummed that he couldn't uh, talk to you last time. And, yeah, uh, big time. Anytime, if there's anything I can help you guys with, I love all the stuff that you know you've done over the last few years with with the projects you've been doing. So you know, okay. when you got stuff that you got coming out, we'll be more than happy to have you come on promote mm -hmm. the hell out of it. Definitely. Really, I do have a brand new album. I'm just releasing Halloween. It's a metal album too. Yeah. 
Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, we look forward to help you promote that. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Thanks right. so much. All right, Tracy. All right. Have a, have a good guys. rest of the night. And, and like I said, we really appreciate coming back on. It's been yeah. great. All right. Guys, man. Thanks, okay. very, thanks All right. very much, Tracy. Okay. Right on, Rich. All right. Thanks. All right. No problem. Bye. <laughs> The Tracy G story, and I think you know, pretty cool. A lot of cool stuff out of him. Oh, loads, yeah, tons of stuff. Some stuff that, like, I was like, no way, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty easy. Again, I think this one, everybody was pretty open. Yeah, they with were. Everybody that we did stuff. I think with. a lot of the stories are so old. Yeah, there's no harm in, you know, saying how they feel about things now. Yeah, or, yeah. or just openly discussing it. Right. You know, and uh, yeah, they're pretty. All the interviews are pretty open. So. Yeah. But Tracy was a really nice guy. Yeah. You know, so. so I think, you know, obviously if, if you guys listen to this and, and you're thinking, well, you know, wow, I never really checked out anything else from him afterwards and stuff, then head up to uh, TracyG.com and just about all of his stuff's available up there. You can get the, the brand new Pain Savior one up there as well. And uh, just, you know, he does have a lot of cool, cool albums, tons of releases. I didn't even realize that he had a a Christmas one till he sent the package. And I was like, holy crap, he's got a Christmas one too. So um, definitely a lot of stuff. Cool bit of trivia as well is that um, Elvin, if you're listening, and of course Elvin is the Tracy's singer in, in Pain Savior. Elvin, if you're listening, go back and listen to the first episode of this whole series and the live version of Strange Highways that I played. That's the show that you were at. <laughs> So uh, I thought that was pretty cool, and I realized that that it was like, wow, that's the that's actually the show that that uh, that Elvin went to. So uh, a little bit of trivia for you there. You know, that's pretty much a, a wrap for Strange Highways Exit Two, and I think Exit Three is is uh, Vinnie Apice. Vinnie Apice. So uh, after much chasing, he got in under the wire. I so, got him. Uh, the, the, <laughs> la- the Mountie always gets his man, as I said. Yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> thinking it was going to come to pass, but um, I got I got I got to say though, like. When when Vinny called, um, you know, and he said, like, can I call you back? Yeah. I, I think you looked over at me and I had my two hands <laughs> in the air. Yes, <laughs> because I'd originally gone from like, I, I might get one or two guys on to getting everybody on. And yeah. Vinny was the last one. And I was like, I've gone this far now. I just want to see it through. And Vinny called and I was just thrilled. Yeah. So that was great, you know. So good conversation coming with Vinny. Yep, I, I definitely. So, uh so yeah, like I said, so this is this is uh, this is it for exit two with Tracy G. So we've done Jeff, we've done Tracy. Up next is is Vinny, and uh, of course Vinny's got a lot of great stuff to say as well. And of course, what's cool about this, I think, doing every one of them is that you do get everybody's different perspective on the story. So it's kind yeah, of so, you hear the same story, it's, but it's a little different. Yeah, from I was everybody. just going to say that <laughs> some of them, some of the stories are completely different. Uh huh. And some of them are, are are similar, but they're slightly different. Yeah. yeah. None of them are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's like so. You know, you'd ask, "How did this guy come into the band?" And one guy will say one thing, and the other guy will say something completely yeah. the opposite. And uh, like, I'm not going to spoil any of them, but as you go through all the interviews, you, you'll pick things up from. Oh yeah, hang on a second. That's not what he said. Yeah. In the first episode or the second one, and yeah, it's it's interesting. Like again, it there, it's things that happened twenty years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. So your memory isn't going to be you know as as, as clear as as it was last week. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, it's it is an interesting thing when we went through it. Yeah. We? But it we, is great that we're able to get everybody that we possibly can. Everybody gets their story out there, and 
you know, you, everyone get everyone's takes on it and stuff as well. So it's it's. I thought it was pretty cool. It was, I think it was a good idea you had. I think that uh, with you know Vinny kind of wrapping it up like that, as far as we know, unless something else slips in. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody else. Uh, <laughs> all right. So um, hope you guys are enjoying this as we travel down the strange highways. Keep up with us on focusonmetal.net or focusonmetal.blogspot.com and from there you can get the uh, the links to Twitter and everything else to, to keep up with us and uh, of course we've definitely been, been digging bringing you this and all of the metal content we bring to you every week. Hopefully everybody's having a great metal month out there. I think that's it. It's a wrap. That's a wrap. Awesome. Talk to you next week. And remember, focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.